So, John, as we uh, as we record, this is Wednesday morning in WWDC week. So, obviously, the uh, the major event of Dub Dub is just a few hours away now. Uh, that's right. The most important thing is like this keynote thing is just you know who cares. But James Dempsey and the Breakpoints are going to just like you know burn down the world, cause cause birds to fall from the sky and, and, and general conflagration, the likes of which has not been seen since Spinal Tap last toured. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I saw a video online or it was a photo online, maybe it was even you who posted it, um, of the rehearsal on Sunday. And there were a, probably, I think, close to two, two and a half thousand people on the stage. There were. There's more. There are more people performing than there will be in the audience. So I just decided. <laughs> I, mean, I think you had about nine guitarists. Yeah. Well, we have a, we, we have a, you know, a guitar philharmonic. <laughs> so. I mean that's that's hard to pull off when you're a band that play together a lot, but as a as a ad hoc get together, that's that sounds like a nightmare. It is a nightmare. I mean, no, it's a glorious undertaking. You just have to remember it's for the kids. We think of the kids, and of course, the trouble is with two thousand four hundred fifty-two people being on stage. Do you know where they always put the drummer? Don't you? Oh, way the hell in the back. I know. And and, and the drummer's always sat down, so it's like there'll be this noise, but no one will know it's you. Which is probably good or bad. They can like consider like this this you know thunderous thing coming from God Himself. But so I think you I think you need one of those things like you know the band Kiss or something used where you've just come up on a big riser and you rise above everybody else and there's like fireworks and and pyrotechnics coming out of the the riser is is you rise in all your glory. You lie, but I, I'm asking for that next year. I'm going to refuse to play unless there's that. It's going to be in the contract writer. And, of course, at that point, we realize that the, the stage is only 12 feet high and you disappear through the ceiling. I know. It'll be like that Star Wars compactor scene. <laughs> Maybe that's, that's how they'll solve the problem of my obnoxiousness. <laughs> sure, we'll give you a riser. <laughs> So, of course, by the time this show goes out, the, um, the, the, your show would have been over. So there's no point trying to sell more tickets through this because uh, everyone should have already been there. You've already lost out, folks. And um, No, we, we sold out. You've sold out? Oh, yeah. No, we sold out a couple Excellent of days ago. News. Yeah. Excellent news. So that that's good. So, I mean, is that mainly sold tickets to the band so they can be there to get on stage? No, 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 Scotty. <laughs> so mean. <laughs> now, people, people still like seeing the show, believe it or not. It's a great show. It's a, every time I am around for um, WW, I will go to the show uh, if I'm there, um, and it's always been a great night in, in every venue. Um, I haven't seen the venue you're in this time because you, you were the same venue as last year. Yeah, yeah it's the Ritz. Yeah, well, I wasn't there last year because the first year in San Jose, you you played the massive, enormous place, didn't you? Yeah, the San Jose Civic National. That was a little bit, yeah. a little bit further than our leg reach. It was a little big for the number of people. Yep. It made it feel a little little empty. And yep. one of the things about the Breakpoints gigs is they, they always feel great when they're packed. Yep. Um, and even though, yeah, so it's uh, so I'm glad. glad to, anyway, I guess I guess we should probably talk about some of um, some of the other stuff from the week, some of the minor stuff. Now we've dealt with the, the main the main event of the week. So um, ha- have you actually been to the show yet? I have, actually. Uh, I managed to go yesterday and I'm going again today. Uh, Monday I was at Alt Conference. So um uh, uh, there's lots to talk about. <laughs> Drew McCormick, I think, had the winning tweet where he basically said, next is dead. <laughs> React <Yeah>. one. 
I can't yeah. remember what the third one was. Get over it, <laughs> probably. But I, I kind of want to say it's like I know how carbon developers must feel now. Yes. Or must have yes. felt, rather. Uh, I've been, I've been um, uh, playing with uh, – I'm assuming we're talking about Swift UI. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I've been playing with it for the last couple of days now um, uh, on, on a – Catalina partition. In fact, you know, taking a risk here, we're recording on a Catalina partition. So if this show may never, never, never see the light of day. Um, uh, and I never thought I would say this, John, but that, that that year of misery I had on React Native is turned out to be pretty useful because every concept in Swift UI has come from that type of thing, uh, done a lot better and done uh, in in a way that is acceptable, reasonable, and quite um, and, and and pretty good, um, but uh, yeah, just totally getting the concepts. I think has probably given me a head start because I've been fairly efficient in it in the last couple of days and in play with it, and it seems to work pretty well. I have to say, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was. I, I haven't I haven't looked at it very much, but I loved the first screen grab I saw of the view hierarchy. And because there's there's a lot that's created to to be, to be on your behalf, and and that's I think that's that's I think in the back of of my mind, and I think a, a number of other people, it's there's lots of magic. What is the magic, and can we control some of it? Because that was always the the rub about React, I think, in general. I mean, the the, the non-starter in my mind is that we, it was pretty much impossible. Well, it's not impossible, but there was no accessibility built in. So if you wanted to do it, you'd have to figure out how to do it yourself. And of course, I uh, you know Mac. Uh, 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 Apple would never ship a product that's not accessible, and that's the other big theme of of, of this year. Um, and so, I think it's the water is fine; it's warm. Come on in. And and I think the other thing too is, uh, you know, Apple clearly recognized that what they had was great for how long it it, it how long it lasted, but it it. it, it it's not even just that it was inscrutable to new developers. In the end, there were there were so many issues that that become very very difficult to solve in modern applications. So I don't know. I'm pretty bullish on it. Yeah, and of course, I mean, you can still use all your UI kit stuff inside Swift UI if you wish to mm-hmm. um, by just uh, making things um, uh, by by creating wrapper Swift right. UI wrapper classes for them. Uh, and you can you don't have to go whole Hulk Swift UI. You can just do some screens in it and other screens the old way because it's 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 all mix and match. But you have to think that this is the way they want to push it, mm-hmm. the, the the way they want to go. Um, it's definitely at this moment, I would say, very much aimed at iPhone apps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the the Mac level support is uh, let's just say interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in there, and um, the iPad. Uh, yeah, the iPad um, stuff, if you want to do iPad-specific stuff, is uh, a little more limited. But equally, at the same time, we are talking beta 1. Mm. Um, and, you know, I don't know what we're going to see as it goes forward. However, you have to say, normally with frameworks, it's not about more arriving. It's often about things just getting more stable and better, if I remember rightly. So maybe this is what we get this year. Um and and so, I mean, obviously for us, we're in a, I've been sort of complaining for weeks that we don't really quite know what to do uh, and how to go forward. I said last week that we were looking forward to seeing if uh, Marzipan, or should I now say Project Catalyst, um, uh, which I think is a terrible name, but never mind, um, is, uh, um, you know, is good enough. And we're actually, you know, I, I think if they just said, here's Project Catalyst, uh this is what it does right now 
we'd have had, you know, a, 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 it, it would have been a, a difficult decision for us to choose whether that's the way we should go or not go for a Mac and iPad solution. But with the introduction of Swift UI as well, it just makes it even more confusing, especially with the um, limited nature it is we find for the Mac um, at the moment. Because obviously we one of the things we need to do, and I've been speaking about for a number of weeks, is we want to redo the UI on the Mac um, to work against the framework. And now, of course, if Swift UI is going to be the future, do we want to now invest a year in storyboards or zibs and whatever else? I need to have you know the, all the new work we've done go out of date. Yet to go with a brand new technology for the full app straight away is pretty high risk. And we're trying to decide, is it riskier to do it the Mac that way? Or is it riskier to um, use Project Catalyst and see how that goes? However, it does sound like Project Catalyst is itself a stopgap between, you know, maybe something else that's coming to unify the platforms. And so even going that way may not be a sort of a long-term decision. So actually we've come out of the the, the keynote day and the day yesterday of watching videos and playing with stuff, feeling very confused about what we should do next. Um, And I'm sure there's a lot of other people in that as well. But the one thing that does make me smile is bindings have come to iOS. (laughs) I know. Finally, we have processors. We we have hardware fast enough to run, you know, Slack, and hardware fast enough to run bindings. Yes, yes. One of my favorite uh, tweets or whatever it was from the Mac Pro announcement is finally, finally a machine that I can run twelve Slack channels at the same time on. <laughs> I know, really, just shown that. Forget the number of eight K streams. <laughs> you have multiple instances of Slack. But yeah, bindings, but Swift UI is all around bindings. But the difference is, and um, my just just in case no one's heard me rant in the last uh, seven years about or ten years, however long it is about bindings. Um, yeah, my issue with bindings is not bindings themselves, but their the the inability to debug them because you can't even find them. Um, whereas these are code declared bindings, so. Um, I think that I think that does make a difference. You can see all your bindings by looking at your source code, um, as opposed to having to find find them uh, off somewhere in a property setting within a storyboard or a zip. So uh, hopefully that will make things easier to to to, to work with. Um, and of course, you can't have really a reactive framework without something to react to. So bindings had to be in there if they were going to go this way. So yeah, totally totally get it. Um, and uh, I have to say, the the whole I've already got used to the whole live preview and it running and doing stuff and not having to build and run. Um, and when I dropped back um, to doing some stuff in storyboards for some other code and dropped back to uh, Mojave for a few hours uh, yesterday to do something else, it already felt like I was going through you know, a lot more hassle than I needed to compared to the... Uh, flaky beta software I'd been using just before. So that, I guess that's a good sign. It is. It's it's funny because, uh, you know, when I first started programming, uh, you know, I had heard of Assembler. I knew, kind of knew what it was, but I never could have imagined using it. And I, I would imagine after this has been out for a while, people will say, I had no idea what it was like to kind of directly manipulate you know, UI elements yourselves instead of just declaring what your intention was for something. And, you know, that's an advantage of having been around long enough. You can see patterns and and you can have history, you know, kind of come around in cycles. 
But I'm wondering, you know, you've already seen a bunch of tools. Like I saw something, I'll I'll post it in the show notes, which is really good to kind of a, 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 time scrubber for for an app because one of the nice things you have with it, with this 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 programming pattern is that you can record the state of your app which means you can automatically save state and you can replace state which is great for for debugging and it was pretty amazing to to see it was an adaptation of of a to-do list um, i thought that was kind of cool but i which makes me wonder also is for 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 people who but like myself, I like zip files, and I like setting things that can easily be set in a graphical tool being set in a graphical tool. The problem is is then it gets archived, and then you have it in two places. And the thing that seems interesting about this is that you you know, you know can write the code. You can see it in the graphical you know, just editor slash previewer, and you can, do the, you can do it both ways. So it's kind of nice that it will all be centralized in code, even if you do a lot of editing graphically. It makes me wonder, though, is that, you know, a lot of the basis of it is our, our stack views. And so shouldn't it be possible that if, if you really wanted to start adapting some things that you had done with Zibs, if they were, you know, with certain types of components that, that should translate easily, wouldn't it be possible to unarchive them and, and kind of convert them uh, over to, to Swift UI? I wonder if that's going to be possible. Because I, I, haven't, I haven't looked closely enough, but in the end, as it's implemented now, it still is something that is is it doesn't go all the way down to to the metal, so to speak. It does ultimately, you know, render UI kit components, doesn't it? That's what I, I gathered from yes, from the viewarchy. That will probably change, and that's the idea: is that you have an implementation, they can change the details. You know, you you, you write to a certain level, but for transition. Um, assistance. It, it renders the appropriate um, component for the platform it's running on. Mm. So the idea is, I mean, this is one of the, the great things for, um, you know, f- let's say you've got a profile screen for your user or something. Um, if you wrote that using Swift UI um, components, then that would use um, UI kits if you ran it on an iPad. A phone app or an iPad app, and it would use AppKit if you ran it on a Mac app, and it would use the right stuff and set all the right things out. And one of the you know one of the nice things is is you can keep a shared component library, um, no matter what you know, whether that's whole screens or smaller components. It very much encourages you to break everything down to very small components, um, and work with. And you can then just keep those in a in a library and share them between your apps very very easily. Um, which is great. And of course, now with Swift Package Manager support as well, within all the Xcode and everything set up, that becomes, you know, um, uh, incredibly lightweight as well. And you're not having to use, you know, submodules necessarily or huge, you know, Carthage or um, uh, Cocoa Pods or anything like that to make it work. Um, so from that point of view, it, you know, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how it goes. I guess it will be how many limitations we come up against and what's there. So, for example, at the moment, um, unless I'm being blind, there is no implementation of a collection view. Um, so, you know, you, if you were looking at collection view style, um, uh, UI at the moment, I think you're going to have to build that yourself. Maybe it's just because we haven't seen it yet. I, but as I said, I doubt we're going to see more of those. So it's, it's early days to see, um, the, the tutorials that go with it, um, the dev pubs team at, um, Apple have produced some fantastic tutorials, um, to go with Swift UI, they probably take about three hours to run through, um, and they take you through a whole bunch of it. And so, if you're going to look at Swift UI, um, I highly recommend you spend that two or three hours um, 
doing those tutorials and downloading the code that all comes with them because it will help you to really understand how it's working and, and how it goes on uh, in there. Um, and the sort of new web interface they have to their tutorial system is really nice and um, uh, and sexy. As you scroll up through the tutorial, it scrolls through code and another pane showing you what code is put here and there. And so it's a, um, really nice. So well done to the, the dev pubs people for for that as well because it's nice to see a new technology come out and have um some really good docs for it on straight away at beta one yeah yeah those are some hard-working folks and it's nice that 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 it truly is developer friendly because i'm sure there are lots of people who've shipped a lot of commercial code um who are now working on it okay so that that's uh uh swift ui what else what else struck you i mean first of all i mean let, let, let's go back to you first of all i mean you use Swift where you can, and Objective C is is your main code base still, just for historically. Um, can you see yourselves using this in the near future, or is this like we have to be thinking long term now? No, I mean there's there's effort already underway to to make a transition to Swift. Uh, you know, it's it, it, there's the non UI portion, and then there's the UI portion, and and our app is full of collection views. Um, and there was a lot of pain to, to, to make them work, to make them performant, to make them to do what we need to do. And so um, it's really, it, 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 we just have to keep in mind, as I think people in general have to keep in mind, is the end user absolutely doesn't care how you do it. They only care about how, how it works and how it feels. So it's one of those things where I think, you know, my colleagues and I are all, all kind of, I think, anxious to, to work on this, but it has to be done in, in a way that makes sense. So there are portions of the app I could see that it could be done in it. Um, and then portions that could be transitioned, but after a time, because, the, you know, I, everybody can complain about their code base um, and everybody can have very easy about complaining about other people's code bases. But the reality is we have a shipping product. It works, it's performant. And so there's, there, there, you know, you have to be very pragmatic about this. If you're shipping something brand new, I think in, in this particular case, I, I, I look at Swift UI and I think, OK, this is it's it's really kind of an obvious, uh, uh, you know, um, on-ramp for people who were, who were introduced to programming concepts in general using Swift Playgrounds, and now they say, okay, great, now I understand these concepts, and now I can build an app myself. If I can imagine something, I can make it happen. And they keep saying, it's like, you know, Apple has always tried so hard to make people conform to their 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 you know human interface guidelines and now you have in many ways you, you know the no choice option is the best choice option because you get kind of a consistent set of of spacing and behavior and then all the things that that Apple wants you to do kind of accessibility and and localizability built in um, so I think that it, it it kind of goes as well with some of the themes that you saw in the in the opening keynote because it was a lot of uh, you know talking about the fact that there were more new developers at Dub Dub this year. I think than than ever before, and, and and even the opening video I thought was nice. It was it was interesting. It's, it's I have to give big applause to to Apple for for presenting for allowing lots of different people to see themselves as Apple product users and Apple product developers, and I think that was really nice. It, 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 you know, the the one comment I thought that was you know pointed out something that once you see it you can't unsee. It, it was all about kind of these things that you do late at night, and it's like, well, no, they're professional developers. We do it during the day as well. But I thought it was nice to see people of every you know from all over the world and of all different ages it's it, i i do have to say it was nice to see some some gray bearded folk in in the 
videos as well because, you know, I see myself. And so that, that was wonderful. And so I think that, 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 that whole idea about demystifying programming is, is part of a long arc of, of Apple because they realize that, you know, that, that all the development tools is, as, as efficient and wonderful and great as they are and, 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 and what they've allowed to be built are still as inscrutable to new developers as assembly would have been for, for people who were, you know, looking at programming at the dawn of personal computing. Totally agree. Totally agree. So well done, Apple, for that. Now, you just mentioned development tools. So Xcode 11, it's a good upgrade. It's a good upgrade. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, the, the new editor stuff is really nice. Yep. The flexibility to um, uh, put out as many panes as you like in whatever order, but then go into focus mode on them so you can just have that one full screen and then it will go snap back to where it was in the hierarchy. And I know other people say, well, my, editor, my editor's had that since 1874. But, you know, yeah. so what? You know, we, we have to use Xcode for what we're doing. Um, and, and, and we didn't. Um, the, the new source code integrations uh, get even better. I think Xcode is reaching the point now where I could possibly drop my third-party Git tool. Um, not quite sure yet. Haven't played enough there. Um, the preview on the Swift UI stuff is great, and the fact that um, little things like you can pin, you can pin the preview from one class uh, to the screen. So if you switch to a different uh, a different um, component, that maybe a subcomponent of the one you were looking at and make changes, you can still see it in the context of the big screen or something. That's that works really well. Um, I have to say, in the two days I've been using it, it's crashed about three times. Um, which actually is, you know, probably not many more than it would do on normal <laughs> in Xcode 10. Uh, um, that's not true. Xcode's been pretty good recently. Um, so uh, it doesn't feel stupidly slow um, in, in any way at all. Of course, now I'm using it on Catalina um, because there's a whole bunch of stuff that you just even though Xcode 11 is available for Mojave, just a whole bunch of stuff isn't available in it if you're not running on Catalina. Um, so which is why, you know, almost straight away while the keynote was, I was watching, I watched the keynote after it happened a few hours after I was trying to install it at the same time. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to, to see how that pans out. Now, of course, all of the, um, uh, all of this new stuff that we're seeing is either uh, works only in Catalina or uh, iOS 13 or iPadOS as it has now released. So um, that's going to be a tough call for some people because that is going to be the latest OS. Um, now, I think if you're producing, again, a new product, I'm not sure that's a problem. If you have an existing product, that may be more of it. Although, interestingly, I don't think... I think iOS 13 and um, macOS Catalina, I think one Mac dropped off of the supported list. And was it one iOS device? Didn't the iPad, original iPad Air drop off? But other than that, anything that could run Mojave can run can run Catalina or iOS 13. So really, people don't really have an excuse. The, the support goes back so far on these OSs now. I've reached the phase of saying, well, if, if you can't be asked to upgrade your device that actually supports it, I can't be asked to support you either. So, Indeed, yeah. Um, in there, I mean, if I, I think sometimes people stay on an old operating system because there is one app they use all the time that's never been updated or upgraded, and if they move on to the new operating system, it stops working, um, which is a pain. But they, that shouldn't necessarily hold those of us who do update our apps back from being able to support the latest stuff because they want to keep using theirs. So. 
get a VM and run your app in a VM and run the latest stuff and enjoy the newness with the rest of us, is yeah. what I say. Jump on in. The no, water's being heartless. No, you're not. I mean, I think Will Shipley famously said if, 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 if they won't upgrade for Apple software, they're not, they're, they're, they're not going to upgrade for you, and then yeah. they're, they're not your customer. And it's, you know, it's okay to say no. It's okay to say no to features. It's also okay to say no to, 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 to customers who aren't customers. So. Yep. So, what else struck you from uh, from being there so far? Well, you know, I went to an accessibility get together yesterday, and, and that was spectacularly good. And I wish I could have stayed longer, but I had to to leave. But they they had a whole session in a in a, a kind of a, a terrace where they had you know developers and people that produce products and people that use all sorts of assistive technologies on there. And uh, and it was really great. It was great to to kind of see these things, to talk to people at Apple. I just got finished listening to uh, uh, Renee Ritchie's uh, podcast where he interviewed the woman who oversees all things accessibility at, at Apple, you know, everything. And, and it was it was very good to hear their philosophy about it. And, and you could see it writ large in, in how they presented things. It wasn't, you know, a, a, an additional feature. It was just a fundamental idea that that we want. You know, Apple for everyone, design for everyone. If if there's somebody who wants to use your product and can't figure out how to make it so that they can, and and that I thought was just delightful. But um, I think uh, yeah, I, I'm super excited about the, the the voice control. I think that's great. It's just simple and genius. I, I'm 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 I, I'm so proud to. <laughs> it sounds stupid, but I'm proud to work for a platform produced by a company that cares so deeply. And and in the end, it it, it comes around to there are more reasons to care about accessibility, but you don't even have to care about them. If you are not caring about accessibility, it really, it really means that you don't care about design. It's simple as that because whether somebody uses an assistive technology or not, first of all, we all do. If you use Siri, you're using assistive technology. It's simple as that. If you, use, if you take advantage of, of gestures that, that allow you to operate your thing with one hand because you have another hand that's holding a child or doing something else, you're using assistive technology. It just means that somebody cares deeply about the essence of design. And so when you, when you can meet with people who use it every day and observe them and observe how, how quickly they can do things, how they can do things better than you can, uh, you know, and not be able to see or faster or as well as you do and not have motor control. It just changes your whole perspective on everything. So to the extent that Apple makes it really, really easy for people to to see caring about accessibility is not some type of charitable deed, but merely just good design principles uh, and, and, and good citizenship. I think that's wonderful. They just knocked it out of the park on that. Um, what else? Uh, the localization stuff seems to have gotten better. That's also close to my heart. I got the impression I have to verify that in the labs today, but that it's now possible to have your app running with its own locale and language that's independent from the operating system. And if that's the case, it solves a bunch of headaches for us, which is really nice. Um, so that's good. Um, what else? Yeah, there was a lot of that in the Swift UI stuff as well, where you could, um, in your preview screen, tell it to run a different locale so you could actually in your preview screen see, see your app in multiple languages at the same time yeah. including right to left and whatever languages which is again very powerful yeah yeah oh I, I did attend a session on kind of what's new in localization I came in a little bit late but one of the things they had is is, is testing for it and it's really nice how you could set up some some mock data in different languages and see what it is and then then generate your screenshots and it will dump out a plist which has the the coordinates of of um, 
where the, a given string exists in the UI. And, it's, and, and we've built things like that, and it's a pain in the butt to build it, and it's a lot easier for Apple to be able to do it because, you know, only, only Apple know, only Apple knows uh, the exact coordinates and can trace where a string was used. So in, in terms of, of making packages that give context to translators, you know, the, the, the tools that they just show are, are really nice. Um, so I think that's, that's great. Um, and, and it just comes down to the great theme of build your product for everyone. So um, we're really limited on time because you've got to shoot off um, today. So you've got uh, three days of the show left. Um, what are you going to try and do over the next couple of days? Uh, same thing as always, go down and visit the labs. And boy, you know, uh, I've talked in years past about kind of what a value it is to, to, to care about the people that are in the labs to help you. People remember it. It's 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 very nice. You know, people people will remember your name and your face because, or they they may not remember your name. They'll certainly remember you if you show kindness for them. If you just kind of ask them, "Hey, how's it going? I know you've been on your feet all day." It's like, wow, you're. It's amazing that you still maintain this level of happiness. And you know, pro tip. Bring a little, a tiny gift. I mean, there's there, there's a guy, uh, Thad Cooper at Apple. It's a great guy. We, we've become buds over the years, and and I always recognized him because he would be like the the first greeter uh, at the labs. And I just one year I I brought a bunch of these really nice salted caramels, and, I gave, and it just so happens that he actually really loved it, and he, he he kind of was into that type of thing. But people always remember just a little bit of kindness. It goes so far. Just remember what your grandmother taught you. You know, please thank you. Be sweet, be kind, all the things that you want to tell your children or your pets, it applies in life. Um, and so you'll, you'll get tons um, from going there and you'll come across people. So I uh, just say the same thing over again. You can watch the videos, find the ones that you really care about, the ones that truly spark joy, the things that really want that you want to see right now so you can get your creative juices flowing. All the other ones, you can watch them right away. You can watch them while you're on the bus somewhere. Go and uh, go and, and make the time to meet people. One other thing I would say is that uh, uh, when you're going down to lunch, go sit with somebody new. I had a, a really fun, lovely conversation with somebody who is, is you know, works in Durham, North Carolina. And uh, 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 we had lots of conversations about North Carolina and, and, and programming and features and so on and so forth. So it was, it was great to, to meet somebody completely new. I just walked by and, I, and there was an empty spot said, hey, can I join the cool kids table? And it, it flowed from there. So... I've got to get running. So, um, Scotty, if people want to tell you what a wonderfully nicer person you've been to me today and to thank you for doing so, how might they do that? They can contact me on Twitter as MacDevNet or on um, micro.blog as Scotty, or, of course, they could let us both know that by sending an email to feedback at iDeveloper.co. And, John, if people want to get hold of you and say, hey, come and sit my cool kids' table, what should they be doing? Well, they can just reach out uh, on Twitter and find me where I'm Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. Of course, by the time this goes out, the show will be on its very last day, so it will have to, you'll get thousands of requests on your last day. <laughs> there we are. Well... It's been uh, great to catch up, John. I'm sure next week we will spend a lot more time talking over how we're going to respond to all this stuff because we've had a bit more time to think about it. Um, hope the, the gig goes really well tonight. Enjoy the rest of WWDC. Those of us still stuck in our office are still going to enjoy things anyway. And thanks for everyone for listening. And if you're at the show, have a great time. And if you're not, don't cry too much. But until next time, you take care. <laughs> Thank you.
Oh my god, Scotty, you're gonna kill me. Just kidding. Haha. <laughs>